Chris Paul's thumb. That's serious. Yeah, I wasn't expecting much of a news day on All-Star Game Sunday, but CP3's thumb had its own idea. Not one person or two people can make up what, what he does on the court. Most everybody just has to give in a little bit more. ESPN Radio. That is right. Chris Paul is dealing with yet another injury to his shooting hand, the number one seed in the Western Conference right now, the Phoenix Suns. How is that going to affect things with just under two months until the start of the postseason? This is ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and streaming live over on ESPN+. Plus. Courtney Cronin, Chris Canty, keeping you company on this Monday evening. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. If you want to join in the conversation, Conversation. Hit us up on the Canty call-in line, 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. And be sure to tune in for college basketball action as Oklahoma State host Baylor. Coverage begins at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. So in about five minutes, we will get into the Chris Paul conversation, but some news coming out on Monday. Goran Dragic is joining the Brooklyn Nets for the rest of the season. He was part of the buyout market, the San Antonio Spurs. Um, decided they bought out his contract and he has decided to sign with the Brooklyn Nets. A couple other suitors for the 35-year-old were the Los Angeles Lakers, the Golden State Warriors, the Los Angeles Clippers, the Milwaukee Bucks, and the Chicago Bulls. But Drogic has a relationship with Steve Nash, the coach of the Brooklyn Nets. He gets to go play with Kevin Durant. And all of a sudden, a team that had this big three, Chris, that was blown up in the trade that sent James Harden to the Philadelphia 76ers. Now they've got some more added backcourt depth and can probably keep their spot there in the East as they try to progress towards the playoffs and getting that number one seed. Well, you're talking about a guy that's a 36% three-point shooter career in Goran Dragic. So instantly you're talking about somebody that can be you know, a spot-up shooter for them, somebody that can provide some perimeter shooting, and that's something that you're going to need, especially in an offense that Ben Simmons could potentially be your primary ball handler, allow him to be able to distribute, knowing that you don't have Joe Harris, he's going to be out for an extended period of time, maybe for the rest of the season. This seems like a logical place for Dragic to land, not to mention the fact that you have Kevin Durant eventually coming back from dealing with his injury and then Kyrie Irving as a part-time player right now due to the mandates in the tri-state area. But this is a Brooklyn team that has a ton of upside. I mean, you look at some of the players that they have on this team and then what they did with the Ben Simmons trade and being able to also bring over Seth Curry, yep. it has the makings of being a championship-caliber squad. And the fact that Dragic does have some familiarity with Steve Nash, the two of them played in the late 2000s and the early 2010s together out there in Phoenix, I just think it makes a whole lot of sense for Dragic the other part of this is he was going to be one of the top targets for the Los Angeles Lakers in the buyout market. And we know how upset LeBron James was that the front office didn't do more at the trade deadline. Teams that usually miss out in the NBA trade deadline turn to the buyout market to be able to supplement what they already have on their team. And Dragic is a guy that can get you 15 to 20 points on any given night. So the fact that the Lakers missed out on him, is probably going to lead to more frustration from mm-hmm. LeBron James. But if you're looking at it from Dragic's perspective, the Brooklyn Nets made a ton of sense in terms of him deciding that he wanted to come run with them because when you look at all the other potential destinations that he could have went, I mean, nobody really has a player like Kevin Durant. I mean, if you want to make the argument for the Milwaukee Bucks, that's all well and good. There was a 
there was an opening in that rotation because of DiVincenzo being dealt, but I still look at the Brooklyn Nets and say this is an opportunity for Dragic to get extended minutes and to have an opportunity to be on a championship contender. Well, they also could have gotten significant minutes with the Phoenix Suns considering this news came down today, and we know that Chris Paul does have that fractured thumb injury, and they don't have a lot. I mean, campaign is supposed to be their backup point guard, yet he's dealing with an injury on his own. So Mm -hmm. I was kind of surprised that they weren't in the mix here of like the final suitors. You mentioned, obviously, the Los Angeles Lakers, the Chicago Bulls were in there too, the Clippers, the Bucks. Um, But he ends up with the Nets, and part of that reason, is that relationship that he had has with Steve Nash. It was his teammate when they the two played for the Phoenix Suns, and we know that that probably means he's going to have a pretty significant role from day one when he suits up with the Nets. Matt Barnes, ESPN NBA analyst, was on NBA Today talking about Nash's relationship and how that factored into Drogic becoming a New York Net, a Brooklyn Net. The relationship that Steve established with Goran when we were all teammates in Phoenix, um, he really went out and knew what kind of player uh, Goran's uh, turned into. You know, a, a tested battle warrior. He's been in, in, been in all the fires and knows how to handle himself. So, again, this is going to be interesting to see with Ben Simmons and Kyrie where Goran's minutes are going to fit. But to me, this is a good problem to have. That was Matt Barnes, who was on ESPN's NBA Today earlier this afternoon. And and he mentions that playoff experience, Chris, and I don't think that there's any shortage of it here. Uh, Five games... He played with the Toronto with the Toronto Raptors this season before he and the Raptors came to that agreement that allowed him to like work out away from the team mm-hmm. uh, until they could get that trade. This is his 15th NBA season. He started 16 postseason games, averaged 19 points during the Miami Heat's run to the NBA Finals in 2020. Yep. Um, so he's dealt with some injuries too because he had a plantar fasciitis that that kind of slowed him up there. But he comes to a Nets team that really needs depth in the backcourt right now. So, I mean, it's, it's obviously a very good landing spot for him. Um, but like we were talking about with the Phoenix Suns and Chris Paul and kind of where they're at right now, it's not a great sign. So we know that Chris Paul, you did see him for like a little bit at the All-Star game. He also had a cast on his hand. But he wanted to be there. He wanted his consecutive All-Star <laughs> appearance. He wanted to, you know, have some fun in Cleveland, go to 4th Street, do whatever he had to do. And uh, he, his hand is going to keep him out six to eight weeks. So if we're looking at that, that's like April 10th. It's seven weeks. Mm-hmm. The playoffs start on April 16th. So what do you think this means? For the Phoenix Suns in the Western Conference, right now they're six and a half games ahead of everybody else. They're the number one seed. Like, do they realistically stay there knowing that they too don't have much backcourt depth and are going to have to try to figure this out while adding more to Devin Booker's plate? Well, I think this lets me know that it's going to come down to the wire in terms of who the top seed in the Western Conference is going to be. If I had to bet it today, I'm still going to go with the Phoenix Suns just because with 24 games left and a six-and-a-half game lead over the Golden State Warriors, I mean, it's, it's, going to be, it's going to be next to impossible for the Warriors to catch them. It would be an epic collapse from the Phoenix Suns, and Golden State would have very little margin for error in terms of how many games they could drop and still have the potential to eclipse the Phoenix Suns for that pole position out west. But I think it's going to come right down to the wire And Chris Paul not being there is a big deal because he's the one that orchestrates that offense, and we know the difference that he can make on that team when he's healthy and in the lineup as opposed to him not being available. You saw it last year in the NBA Finals against the Milwaukee Bucks. That's a different Phoenix Suns team when you got a healthy Chris Paul versus not, and 
this is, you know, the third or fourth time we're talking about Chris Paul dealing with an injury in the playoffs or going into the playoffs over as many seasons. And this is a guy that just can't seem to stay right, to stay healthy when his team needs him the most. I mean, you want to go back to to last year with the hand injury or 2019, he had a hand-wrist type of deal that he was dealing with. 2018, when he was with the Houston Rockets, he had the hamstring that essentially decided the Western Conference Finals between the Rockets and the Golden State Warriors. So Chris Paul has been dealing with injuries at the most inopportune times for his clubs when they're trying to compete at a championship level. And, Courtney, we know this about high-level athletes. You don't get healthier the older that you get. Chris Paul is going to be 37 years old in May when the playoffs are going on. I don't know that when we start talking about the prospects of competing for an NBA title – that we can look at the Phoenix Suns in the same light. I know they were tied with the the Brooklyn Nets of having the best odds in the NBA going into the All-Star break to win the NBA championship. Right now, I don't even know that they have the best odds in the West when I look at the Golden State Warriors. You know, So I, I don't know. I, I think in the short term, in terms of staying atop the Western Conference, they can stay afloat. Uh, but I think when we start projecting what this team is going to be once they get to the playoffs – I don't have very very much confidence at all that they're going to be able to compete at the level that they thought they would uh, prior to this Chris Paul injury. And you can't forget the Grizzlies in the mix, too. I mean, they're eight games back right now, but only two and a half, one and a half back from the Golden State Warriors, the Utah Jazz in that mix. Like This is going to be yet another gauntlet in the Western I, I Conference. I don't trust the Jazz. I don't, I don't think we can put the Jazz in that conversation. Wake me up when the Jazz win a series of any significance in the postseason. I don't buy into them You want to say the all. same thing about the Dallas Mavericks, too? Yeah, I'll put them okay. in that same category. Like We got to we gotta put them off to the side. I love the Memphis Grizzlies. That's a great story. But love usually it. when it's a team's first rodeo, it, 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 there is a learning curve when it comes to ha- learning how to win playoff games. So um, I, I, I don't know. It seems like when it comes to the Western, Cor- right Western Conference, it's a two-horse race. Okay. And right now I, I'm leaning heavy in that Golden State direction, even though I'm acknowledging that Golden State might go into the playoffs as the number two seed. And you know that they're only going to be getting better considering Clay and the rehab process and where he's at right now in that it's only going to go up from there from him coming back from injury and an inopportune time for the Phoenix Suns to be losing their floor general, Chris Paul, out with a hand injury that's going to sideline him six to eight weeks. So the earliest we could see him back would be the start of the playoffs. But even then, we know that this has happened repeatedly repeatedly he tore ligaments in that exact same hand last year he played through the Clippers series with and then he had to sit out for a little bit as he was trying to get that thing fixed and man oh man it does not get any easier when you get near mid-30s as an athlete like you start slowing down the injuries start happening at a more repeated speed and uh it's unfortunate where things are right now but that's going to be putting a very heavy load on Devin Booker to try to add more responsibilities to him taking on some uh, point guard responsibilities of his own to try to keep the Phoenix Suns in that number one seed straight ahead player agents are threatening a boycott of the NFL combine How warranted are these concerns, and what do we expect for next week? Chris and I will get into it next here on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. The NFL scouting combine might look a little different next week because of a threatened boycott boycott, um, from player agents that represent a collective group of 150 players who are supposed to be at the annual event in Indianapolis who are upset about the COVID-19 bubble. 
that NFL prospects are now required to be in, according to a memo that was sent out last week from the NFL. Now, how might this actually affect things? That's what we'll discuss next here on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and ESPN Plus. I'm Courtney Cronin, joined by Chris Canty. If you want to join in the conversation at any point, 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. So, Chris, you obviously have gone through the combine, so I'm going to like defer to you for like your experience about like what it actually is for people who don't really understand it, because it's been called everything from like underwear Olympics to you know <laughs> obviously like seeing it's it's a prime time event on TV with um, all the drills being broadcast, the whole thing. There's 324 invited prospects that go to the combine every single year. And that's the group that they have this year. Now this group of agents that's representing more than 150 of that group said, it's going to hold its players out of combine drills and interviews. If the leagues does, does not like, you know, pull back a little bit on this because we talked with Jeff Darlington about this earlier on ESPN radio. Like, it's not just the prospect shows up with his two bags and his like stretching equipment and he's good to go. A prospect that's going to the Indianapolis, like going to Indianapolis for the NFL scouting combine is there with a team around him. People who help him, you know, prepare for running the 40, all of the testing drills that he'll have to go through his own medical people, all things like that. And now the NFL is basically putting, you know, a bubble around these players and saying, okay, you're only going to like, we're limiting the amount of people around you. Um, and this is already like a poor format anyways. Like I know that everybody like thinks the combine is like this spectacular event where you're seeing peak performance and you probably are, but players are a not resting B Mm -hmm. not eating well the entire time they're there. Like it's literally like the worst way to prepare to be able to do these things. That's why so many guys tend to opt out of certain drills that they're going to do and do it at their pro day instead. Do you feel like, well, first I'm gonna get your take on this. Like, Tell us kind of like from your perspective as a former NFL player, like why the, 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 the circumstances, the way, it are, where, the way they are right now, like why this is a bad idea for the NFL coming down with the rules that they've so far put out. Well, here's the thing, Courtney. I think the NFL can't improve on it because some of the, 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 the things, the, some of the phrases that have been used to describe the combine, the underwear Olympics, or the biggest job interview, like all of those things may well be true. Like this is a huge job fair, which each candidate is guaranteed multiple interviews. So Mm -hmm. from a player's perspective, you want to put your best foot forward. And a lot of the times, some of the things that the NFL asks you to do, uh, it's repetitive, it's nonsensical. And so I think in regard to the medical portion of it, with having all 32 teams, medical staffs, having to personally examine you, where you can just go through the medical piece, you can do your MRI and have the results shared with everyone. To me, that's an improvement on the process right then and there. So that that can alleviate a lot of the pressure and a lot of the strain from a scheduling standpoint with the players. But as far as the on-field drills go, like this is a must-watch television event that the NFL has essentially created over the course of the last two decades. They've made the NFL Combine primetime on NFL Network, and a lot of the sports media outlets cover it. It's one of those events during the calendar year that we look forward to. This is the way that the NFL uses uh, some of the the offseason pre-draft process in order to elongate the calendar and stay top of mind when it comes to the American sports conscious. So I, I just, from that standpoint, it seems like it would make more sense if the NFL and the owners work with 
the players, their agents, the NFLPA in order to create an environment that everybody could be comfortable with, that could be conscious of whatever best practices are in terms of mitigating spread of COVID, but also Mm -hmm. allowing the players to put their best foot forward. Now, for me, I was a player that was insistent on getting to the scouting combine knowing that I wasn't going to be able to work out because I had a detached retina in the pre-draft process and I had a gas bubble in my eye. I could not strain, so I couldn't run the 40. I couldn't do the weightlifting. The only thing that I could actually do, Courtney, was interview with the teams. Mm -hmm. And for me, that was enough to take a train from Tempe, Arizona, all the way to Indianapolis. took me two and a half days when you figure out all the different connections across the country because I couldn't go above 5,000 feet elevation. Good luck trying to find a pathway, by the way, to go across the entire country, not going above 5,000 feet sea level. Jeez. Try to do that as an exercise uh, just just, just if for, for giggles if you want to. But <laughs> that that's how much it meant for me to get to the NFL combine because I knew how important it was in order to sit in front of these teams, let them get to know me, me get to know them, and to show my football acumen. And that, that goes a long ways with NFL teams in terms of trying to differentiate yourself from the other prospects that could potentially be out there. Most of the grade for NFL players or prospective NFL players is already in. It's based on the tape. Now, sometimes you can get a combine workout warrior to surprise a team, but for the most part, Teams have a good idea of what their draft board is going to look like even before yes. they get to the combine. The only thing that can happen once you get there is for them to knock you down. You really don't often see too many guys shoot up the draft board because of something they do from a physical aspect at the combine. Sometimes the mental piece, but very rarely when it comes to the physical piece. Yeah, and I mean the medical evaluations would still technically happen. Like, I mean, unless these players, these 150 that these agents who are threatening the boycott, if they don't show up, that's that's one thing. And I think that that would be a serious issue. But even if these players do show up, like the way that the boycott, it sounds like it'd be implemented is that they would only participate in the medical evaluations at the combine. They do the mm-hmm. combine drills, their individual pro days instead of Indianapolis. A lot of people do that anyways. Like a lot of people are going to wait to throw at their pro day, to run their 40 at their pro day because we've seen it happen a lot. You run one bad 40 in Indianapolis, like that can that can really hurt your draft stock. And I know there's like already grades that are in the system. I mean, the Blesto grades for, you know, I know I'm going really in the weeds here, but like Blesto all that stuff. National, yep, yep. All that stuff is like already in the system since you were like a junior. So there's – they know who you are. It's the face-to-face meeting that, like, the stuff that happens at the East-West Shrine game, um, you know, the stuff that happens at the Senior Bowl. Like, it's more of that because you're actually sitting in front of coaches in these meeting rooms in Indianapolis at the convention center and, and surrounding hotels the whole thing. That's the character part because not everybody's going to get invited on a top 30 visit to teams to kind of sell yourself a little bit more. I mean, obviously, a lot of times for, like, character concerns, the red flag type guys, like, Mm -hmm. they're the ones who are brought in. But if you're a fringe prospect, this is your best chance to sell. Okay, why should I be a day three pick instead of, you know, why should I have a team draft me instead of, like, letting me hit college free agency and then they end up getting in a bidding war with you? Like, all of those things matter. The combine matters, and it's just – now, if the league doesn't end up like coming to some sort of agreement where they're going to be a little bit more lenient on what's happening here, or at least like what's proposed, 
you know, I'm really curious as like if, if we're at this spot next Monday, what's going to happen? Are you just going to have players not show up? Or are you just going to have everybody there and then they end up just like not having that much to show on TV because it's not like they're able to put um, cameras in the rooms during these interviews because uh, that would reveal way too much. No doubt um, about it. So you're talking about NFL draft prospects trying to sell themselves to teams. But we also got an NBA player who's trying to sell the media and the fans his MVP candidacy. We'll have that for you next. This is Courtney Cronin and Chris Canny on ESPN Radio and ESPN+. You're listening to ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and on your smart speaker by saying, play ESPN Radio. Cronin and Canty keeping you company on this Monday evening. Some breaking news out of Ann Arbor, according to ESPN College Football and Basketball Insider Adam Rittenberg. Quote, sources Michigan coach Jawan Howard will be suspended for five games through the end of the regular season. They are also expecting hefty fines for Jawan Howard. An announcement officially will be expected later tonight. Um, But that is coming from ESPN's Adam Rittenberg uh, reporting on the situation following the strange incident that happened on the sidelines yesterday where Jawan Howard, head coach of Michigan basketball, Greg Gard, head coach of, of Wisconsin basketball, ended up getting into uh, an altercation there that la- that ended up with Jawan Howard extending his hand and smacking a Wisconsin assistant. Now, Chris, like this is what we've been talking about throughout the show today, wondering when something was going to come down. We find out from Adam Rittenberg um, that this is indeed happening. Do we think that we're going to be hearing something from Wisconsin at some point about Greg Gard too? Well, we should, but I think this is swift and decisive action from Ward Manuel. They weighed the circumstances, the situation, and how uh, it all played itself out and determined that this was the best course of action to be able to suspend Jawan Howard for the remainder of the regular season. Um, So it sounds like there could be the potential for them if they were to qualify for the NIT for Jawan Howard to rejoin the team. Uh, But I think also what happened in terms of the brawl not being worse than what it was played a role in, I guess, lessening the blow when it came to the discipline that was doled out to Juwan Howard. Because if that scene had gotten uglier, if any of those kids on either side would have gotten hurt, then I think we would have seen an escalation in the kind of punishment that Juwan Howard would have been issued. But make no mistake about it, Courtney, Greg Gard is culpable in this as well. The Wisconsin head coach had some responsibility in making that scene what it was yesterday afternoon Mm -hmm. by stopping Jawan Howard in the handshake line the way that he did, even with Jawan Howard having words with him. I I feel like that was the instance where Greg Gard instigated the situation and put Jawan Howard in a situation where his emotions could get the better of him, and that's exactly what took place. So, I think there needs to be some accountability on both sides, and Michigan took action first. Um, I'm assuming that Kevin Warren, the commissioner of the Big Ten, is on board with this suspension, but now I want to see what's going to happen on the Wisconsin side, what their athletic director is going to do, and what the Big Ten is going to do in terms of guidance for them when it comes to disciplining their head basketball coach. And we truly don't know just yet, as this report from ESPN's Adam Rittenberg is just coming out, whether this was the Big Ten stepping in or whether this was Michigan stepping in ahead of when we would expect the Big Ten and Commissioner Kevin Warren to step in. Well, I will say this, Courtney. I 
I will say this, Courtney, not to cut you off, but I, I don't think that Ward Manuel would do this in a silo because it will be a bad look for him and his program if he issues one punishment and then Kevin Warren comes down a little more heavy-handed and says, no, no, Jawan Howard's going to go away for longer. We're going to suspend him for the postseason. We could potentially suspend him indefinitely. I don't think it's going to be something like that. I think the fact that we're starting to hear this come out from um, you know, people that are reporting that this is the conclusion that Michigan came to, I'm assuming that it's in conjunction with the Big Ten Conference. Yeah, that would make sense. I just, you know, you look at what their schedule is here the rest of the way. So they have a game against Rutgers at home on Wednesday, and then they've got – they host number 15, Illinois, on Sunday. Then their final three games, Michigan State at home, Iowa at home, and then they finish out at Ohio State on Sunday, March 6th. So we know that Jawan Howard is suspended for the rest of the regular season. That means, like, by the time that that second week of March rolls around and the Big Ten tournament happens, he'll, he, you know, inevitably he'll be back on the sidelines. This team, though, is 14-11 and 11 right now. They're the definition of a bubble team for the NCAA tournament. Like, losing your coach at this point of the season – Feels like a pretty darn big deal, Chris. I mean, for a team that's like just trying to get there. I mean, yes, they're an NIT team, but if you're trying to get into the big dance, following up on you know what you got, what they were able to do the previous season and just like some of the runs that they've had so far, like it just feels like this is po- the worst possible time for this to happen for this program. Well, Courtney, when I was playing in the NFL, we used to have something amongst ourselves in the locker room called "Make It Right." where if you did something on the field in a game or you did something that embarrassed the franchise or embarrassed your, your coaches or your, your fellow players, you would have to try to make amends. And sometimes that involved, you know, paying, a, you know, paying, paying money into a pot or, you know, just trying to take everybody out to dinner or some, to, some form of mea culpa. And I say all sure. that to say this. Jawan Howard is going to have to have a mea culpa with the guys that are in his locker room, with his players. Because he let his emotions take him outside of his character, and that ultimately could cost his team whatever their upside could have been for this season, whether it was competing to win the Big Ten title, the, the Big Ten tournament, excuse me, or getting into the NCAA tournament. Now the degree of difficulty is ratcheted up with that group because they're going to be without their head coach for the remainder of the regular season. So there, there's going to have to be – some make it right in there for Jawan Howard when it comes to his kids. And never mind the fact that Greg Garb was out of bounds, the head coach for Wisconsin, because we all admit that that there was some wrongdoing on his part as well. But Jawan Howard is costing kids, the kids that he recruited, the kids that he coached up all season, he's costing them an opportunity to finish off their season the right way. And I think that's also something that shouldn't be lost in this conversation, because we can talk about how Jawan Howard let the university down, We can talk about how he let Michigan fans down, but we got to talk about first and foremost is how he let those kids down and how he fell short of the standard that he's supposed to establish for them and uphold for them. I think that is the most egregious thing that Jawan Howard did yesterday. Again, the breaking news from ESPN's Adam Rittenberg, who covers college basketball and college football. Michigan coach Jawan Howard will be suspended for the remaining five games of the regular season. He's also expected to be fined heftily. That's the word that Rittenberg used in his tweet. And then an announcement is formally 
going to come down, uh, and it's expected later tonight. And we will then find out what, if anything, happens to Greg Gard, the coach of the Wisconsin Badgers. But at this point, the, the M- M- Michigan Wolverines are going to be without their head coach. We don't know who the acting head coach is going to be just yet as they try to close out the regular season of their Big Ten schedule before tournament play happens the second week of March. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your car, home, motorcycle, commercial, auto, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. Straight ahead, Tom Izzo weighs in on whether we should eliminate the handshake line. And trust me, you're not going to want to miss that. Stay tuned. ESPN Radio, ESPN app. Courtney Cronin and Chris Canny on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. And, Courtney, we got to shout out the guests that came through on the show today. ESPN college basketball analyst Seth Greenberg giving us his perspective on the Jawan Howard, Greg Gard situation, the ugly scene in Madison, Wisconsin at yesterday's basketball game. And then also ESPN NFL insider Jeff Darlington getting us prime for the NFL opening up their franchise tag window tomorrow. If you missed any of it, go to the podcast, download, rate, and subscribe. We greatly appreciate it. But Courtney, around these parts, now's about the time that our show likes to do a little segment we like to call Three and Out. Sometimes it's the worst. Sometimes it's the best. Best. Either way, we'll get you straight with everything you need to know. This is three and out. And three and out is brought to you by Fidelity Investments, and we got a late edition of three and three and out, but that doesn't in any way minimize it. We got to give a shout out to our very own Courtney Cronin, who announced on her Twitter account today that she is leaving the Minnesota Vikings beat for the company and she is joining the Chicago Bears beat. So congratulations. And Courtney, as somebody that is about to marry a native Chicagoan, I want to say thank you and welcome to the family because now not only will I be following because my fiance insists on it, but I will be following because you are covering the team. You are one of the best in the business. Nobody does it better. So congratulations on you uh, shifting gears and going with the Chicago Bears beat. Thank you. That is such high praise. I really, really appreciate it. And, you know, my phone, it's been sitting next to me on Do Not Disturb. I am very curious what's going to happen when I turn it off that. Um, I appreciate everybody who's reached out, every call, text message. I will respond to it. Um, You know, I loved my five years here in Minnesota, and I am so honored to get to go back home not only just go home but um you know Jeff Dickerson the former Bears beat writer who tragically passed from complications of colon cancer last December was a mentor to me he's the reason I'm on ESPN radio I just hope that I can do him proud and you know continue on with the standard that he set on that beat for a very long time well I'm sure that Jeff is smiling down on you and excited about your future your career and now stepping into that role so Congratulations again, Courtney. I know that you're excited about all of the things that are on the horizon for you, but I also know you're not excited about orchestrating the move because who who likes moving? Nobody likes moving. Like You have to be a masochist to enjoy moving. But I digress. Moving along in three and out, we got to get to Tom Izzo, Michigan State head coach, because he felt the way about what happened yesterday, as did everybody else in the college basketball world. 
And he had an interesting spin on what he thought took place and how to avoid it in the future. If some team doesn't want to shake hands, you're going to see 15 of my guys walk down and shake air. We're going to shake air, and I'm going to shake air, and then we're going to leave. Jesus. That's Tom Izzo, and you know Coach doesn't mince words, and he doesn't bite his tongue for anyone, and he's just letting you know if you don't want to shake hands, this is what we're going to do, even though the other team might not be on board with it. So that's one coach's perspective. Tom Izzo's been doing it for decades on decades in college basketball. Probably not going to get him to change his approach, Courtney. I mean, I like the whole shake air thing. I mean, you at least kind of keep up with your routine and what you're used to, and at least you're showing up for good sportsmanship. But are we really at this point where we're like, we can't have the handshake line because people might get mad at each other about what just happened in the game, and then a fight's going to break out? Like, can we not just, like, temper our emotions a little bit? Is that yeah, so hard? I'm, I'm with you on that one. It shouldn't be a, a very high bar to clear when it comes to understanding what sportsmanship looks like in a moment where – you're disappointed after a game in the outcome. Like, I just – I don't understand why you can't be civil about it. In fact, this is what these coaches are in part being paid to do, which is to impart sportsmanship and sports character onto these young men that are impressionable at this stage in their lives. So the fact that Jawan Howard and Greg Gard couldn't display better sportsmanship in that moment is really disappointing. But let me tell you something that wasn't disappointing. The Daytona 500, because this year – There were four black team owners in the Daytona 500. That was the most black ownership to ever compete in the race. Now, you had NBA legend Michael Jordan and 2311 Racing. They were in the field, as well as his former North Carolina teammate and longtime NBA center Brad Doherty with JTG Dartry Racing. And then world champion boxer Floyd Money Mayweather and, of course, the Money Team Racing (laughs) and black entrepreneur John Cohen from New York Racing. They were all involved in the Daytona 500. So good on NASCAR for being able to have that level of diversity in the biggest stage that the sport has to offer. It's pretty awesome to see how that sport has been changing over the course of the last couple of years. I love it. I love seeing more representation in a sport that has typically not had black owners, and I'd love to see more of it. Absolutely. And speaking of repping, we got to talk about what Chris Paul got during All-Star Weekend because we know how he reps when it comes to advocacy for girls and women in basketball. And he receives the Kobe and Gigi Bryant WNBA Award for advocacy for young women and and women in basketball. So it's pretty cool to see Chris Paul get that recognition over All-Star Weekend. Courtney, we talk about how important diversity and inclusion is. So for Chris Paul to be able to have that award, I think that speaks volumes about his character and about the direction that he wants to see the game going in. But coming up next, the show is going in the direction of Spain and Fitz, followed by Oklahoma State and Baylor, ESPN Radio.